Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports. This is the NFL show, lucky episode 13. Uh, my name's Dan Frost, and as always, I'm joined by the best panel in the business. Tonight, we've got a full house, as always. We've got Beck, we've got Stacey, we've got Alex. Uh, and guys, again, we are just enjoying NFL football. It's great to have it back. And uh, let's jump. Well, we're going to we're gonna be pretty heavy markers straight off the top because there has been a few teams that have been a little bit disappointing to start the season Beck, going to start with you. Who's been, I guess, the most disappointing team out of the uh, the first couple of weeks? Yeah, for me, it's been the Jags and Trevor Lawrence. Like, I just I haven't been overly excited about watching him. Like, I haven't really made an effort to go and sit and watch a full Jags game just because Trevor Lawrence doesn't excite me. Like, I see highlights and I read stats and all that kind of stuff, and he's just, he was so hyped coming into this season and everyone was talking about Trevor Lawrence, his quarterback, who's, you know, going to be amazing and turn the Jags around and he, he's not doing that. Yeah. It just goes to show that, uh, yeah, where, where you end up is so important and something about that Jersey too, just doesn't look right. That, uh, that teal, it's not exactly the most appealing, uh, yeah, kit out there. Uh, look for me, I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts, you know, sometimes, um, you know, often when you're analyzing these teams, you look straight to the quarterback, but if we take that quarterback out of the equation, the Indianapolis Colts are ready to win a Super Bowl. They are. They have been building for quite a number of years, and they're just that one piece away. But unfortunately, they, they took a big gamble on Carson Wentz. Uh, he's had a bit of an injury. Um, he somehow sprained both of his ankles, which is a talent in and itself. But um, look, you know, they're not too far away, but I guess it's just a little bit frustrating that they just can't get it done. So uh, for me, Jonathan Taylor, their running back's the key. He's had a very slow start again to this season. Took a while to get up and going last year, so hopefully he can, um, yeah, hopefully he can be productive for the Colts. Uh, Stacey, what about you? Who, who sort of, I guess, disappointed you a little bit um, so far uh, in the hey, Last week, I spoke quite highly about Jameis Winston. Um, this week, it looks like 2019 Winston has resurfaced and I think the honeymoon could potentially be over for the Saints I mean he completed 11 of 22 passes for 111 yards no touchdowns two interceptions was sacked four times and finished with the most abysmal passer rating uh, with 29 26.9 which is just horrendous it's the worst of his career so the two picks that Winston threw on the weekend amounted to the 26th time in 71 career starts that he's thrown two or more interceptions. So that's just disappointing. I wanted to get on board with James Winston, but uh, unfortunately, did severely disappointed. And I think this is why NFL players don't read newspapers because the roller coaster uh, of being an NFL quarterback, because yeah, like you said, first week, everyone was in love with him, uh, James Winston 2.0, and then um, yeah, suddenly everyone's very quickly off the uh, New Orleans bandwagon. Uh, Alex, what about yourself? Run your eyes over the competition. There's been a few surprising uh, teams, but yeah, who's really stood out to you in terms of, yeah, being a little bit disappointing? Um, I think for me, it's got to be the Atlanta Falcons. You know, they do, they have players that can put up, you know, key flashy touchdowns. You look at kind of Cordero Patterson, like he makes some pretty great one-handed kind of touchdowns. So they do have those players. And I mean, Matt Ryan, he's not bad, but he's not great. And he's just like, and and that's the same thing with the team. It's a theme. It's like 
well, they're not horrendous, but they're not great. I think they need to bolster their defense. But yeah, no, I'm I'm kind of surprised to see them going all into. And it's kind of funny watching the Jags and the Falcons right now on social media kind of go at each other as they kind of prep for their next game. But I'm like, guys, you're both zero two. Like, let's just sit down and relax, right? Neither one of you is probably better than the other, so let's just calm down. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see whether the risk they took in the draft is going to pay off because, you know, there was a lot of people that were sort of saying, look, you know, take advantage of this rookie uh, QB class and, and, and just pocket yourself a, a quarterback. Uh, but instead they, they decided to stick with to stick with Matt Ryan and, um, you know, they, they went for Kyle Pitts. So it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out for them. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our first segment tonight, the huddle. And each week in the huddle, we pick a particular team to focus in on. And this week we've picked, yeah, quite a controversial team, Again, the roller coaster of NFL football. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. How about those trees? A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Those will be the best memories. Yeah, and this week we're going to be focusing in on the New Orleans Saints. And first of all, we just wanted to, on behalf of Mojo Sports, just a quick shout-out to everyone in New Orleans. Obviously, they've gone through quite a lot with um, yet another uh, significant um, you know, uh, storm event. And, um, yeah, just a shout-out to everyone uh, there in New Orleans. It's very, very difficult and has obviously impacted the team. But, you know, here we, we've got to analyse them as a football unit and um, it's definitely been an up-and-down start uh, to this season um, Stacey, you, you spoke, you've spoken a little bit about, um, you know, the Jameis Winston experience. I guess this was almost, though, expected um, at points that, you know, that this is this is what he can do. He can have these uh, these elite-level performances, and then other times it, it looks like he's trying to get his coach sacked. I mean, he's the epitome of Mr. Inconsistent, isn't he? I, you never know which Winston you're going to get. And, uh, you know, he, he goes for five TDs in week one to multiple TDs in week two, I mean, you just you just can't put your finger on it, and uh, you know it's it's frustrating to watch. As someone, you know, I've liked the Saints for a long time when they had Drew Brees, but I just can't, I'm just struggling to get on board with Winston right now. And Alex, uh, you know, as I try and defend Jameis a little bit, let's dig into this offense because there's a lot happening here. There's a, there's certainly a lot to unpack. I guess you know where should we start? Let's start with Michael Thomas because you know that situation. It's just, I guess, I don't think we're getting told all the story, but ultimately, yeah, talk to us about your opinion on the Michael Thomas situation because when you've got one star wide receiver and he's not available to start the season, it makes things very, very difficult. Yeah, and I just want to piggyback off what you said at the beginning about New Orleans and kind of what they're going through right now. There is no greater city with more spirit than the city of New Orleans and as far as their people go and everything. So, you know, thoughts are definitely with them and, and everything they're going going through. I love New Orleans, have a soft spot for them, so, but I know they'll, they'll rally as a, a city. Um, but yeah, no, Michael Thomas, look, again, OSU guy, love him. Think he's, I, and in, in his prime, he's good. I think one thing that's been a struggle for him is his being injury-free. And I think there's a little bit of a, like a, like an attitude, especially with his injuries, like, hey, I'll get the injury sorted kind of when I want to. That, and it's not kind of putting his team first at the end of the day. And I think we've kind of seen this with this ankle injury and this ankle surgery. Like he could have had it pretty early on. He decided not to. He decided to have it late. He's now missing about seven or eight weeks of the season. He's not due back till about week 
six, I think week seven is when he's scheduled to come back or be healthy to play. Um, but I don't know what that does to their receivers. You know, he, he, he's put up numbers in kind of 2017, 2018. He, he was good. You know, he was putting up multiple yards as far as receptions, multiple touchdowns. He was kind of their key receiver and he has been their key receiver for so long that I think now you take him out of the equation where are his backups? Like you got Raquan Smith and you got Marquise Callaway, but they're not the consistent players that you need that Michael Thomas has been. Right. So I just, the saints I think are struggling as far as their receiving core goes. And that's something that they really, really need to bolster. And I think that was evident in week two, not so much week one, but I think when they come against, when they come up against tough teams that are going to be able to shut down their receivers, they need to find a way through that. And I think, I think, you know, the answer is to the question of how do you run an offense with no receivers? I, th- I honestly think that it's time for the Saints and, and, and knowing Sean Payton's football IQ is just off the charts. You know, I love dissecting his offensive philosophy, but I honestly think it's time for the Saints to run a little bit of like a triple option kind of scheme, you know, utilizing what they've got in the backfield because it's quite aggressive. It's, it's pretty run heavy. That actually requires little to no ability when it comes to, to running, you know, a football offense. And, and when you've got no receivers that are going to catch out there, triple option is, is, a, is a nice, simple way to get some yardage and uh, some runs on the board. The problem with that is, though, we can't always trust that Jameis Winston is going to make the right decision and the right, the right read. Like he's so inconsistent and he throws so many intercepts, which is proving that he's not reading the defense properly. He's not making good decisions. So how do you run an offense that's purely based on good decision-making? So No, that, no that, that's a really good point. I, I think, you know, a lot of things around him have to be perfect, and I think it's been far from that. Obviously, you know, the, the, the relocation situation that's happening in New Orleans has been, you know, quite disruptive. But, yeah, the, the Michael Thomas situation, I think, is really, really difficult because – when you've got a new quarterback and you've got a star receiver, that whole offseason, you want to be doing the Tom Brady model where, where they're out on a beach, they're on holidays, they're vacationing together, and they are just building that chemistry. That has absolutely not happened uh, between Jameis and Michael. So I think even when he does return, who's to say that that combination is going to work? Uh, and then the, the other player that I wanted to really highlight, well, there's a couple of players been really disappointed in the start to this season for Alvin Kamara. And this reminds me a lot of his season last year where – he was so slow, you know, and eventually he sort of picked it up. But, you know, obviously that was probably something that he was hoping to address. But Alex, again, another slow start for Alvin Kamara. Yeah, and you would think at this point, right, you're looking at a running back who is successful, who can be successful, who can get those running yards for you. If you're, if he takes a while to build in, I understand he's your starter. I understand he's a key player. I understand when we're going through preseason, you want to try and figure out your roster, but you need to kind of give him reps in preseason. I think he is someone who suffers greatly when you don't give him reps because he's trying to build into the game. He's trying to get his footing. He's trying to understand how Jamison Winston works as far as a quarterback and what that looks like as far as their offense. But he is a good running back. He needs to build in, and I think they need to start utilizing him in preseason because otherwise he's going to have a week one and a week two where he's putting up small numbers. And that just doesn't benefit anybody. You know, you, we, we understand how important the chemistry be, is between a running back and a quarterback. And, and for a running back to come into a week almost completely cold is never good. 
you see injuries happen, you see missed blocks happen because, you know, timing's off and stuff like that. So, yeah, I completely agree. Alvin Kamara needs more touches. Yeah, no, he's um, he's definitely got to pick it up because in the NFL, this isn't baseball, this isn't the NBA. You have 17 games and you have to win them all. That's got to be your mentality. If you want to, if you want to be a Super Bowl contender, if you want to win, you've got to win every game. And if you, you know, you lose one, you lose two, you lose three, that's it. You're out. You know, and uh, that that's that's the thing we love about the NFL is the fact that it is such a rapid sport. Yeah, for for sure. And, and I think with the Saints, one thing that we do have to kind of say is that their O line's not bad. As far as as far as power rankings go, leading into the NFL, they were ranked ninth. They were eleventh in sacks allowed. So they're not horrendous, but again, they're not like kind of super super standouts. Now their rush defense, on the other hand, coming into this season was ranked fourth as far as sacks and fourth in uh, pass second in pass percentage. Sorry, eighth in sacks, fourth for yards per carry. So they're very good against the run game coming into this season, and they only allowed ninety three point nine yards per game, and that's ranked fourth in the NFL as far as power things go. So that front seven on their defense is not bad. And they bought back all five. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, exactly what you were saying, you need to consider uh, looking at, at the last game, you know, they were missing eight coaches due to COVID protocols, you know, and that definitely has a, has a, a, a massive impact on how the team is structured. So I don't necessarily think that you can blame Jameis Winston for the poor performance. Um, you know, missing eight coaches is detrimental to any team at any point of the season. And I think their defense is certainly one to watch because it's definitely going to have to carry them through the season. And I think part of the strategy to be successful is maybe not have lacrosse players uh, there in your football. I mean, you know, we, we, we do laugh, but, you know, Chris Hogan, who got away from the Jets, goes out and, uh, you know, his, his NFL career is behind him. He goes and tries out for lacrosse. And, uh, you know, the Saints are, are pretty desperate and they have to sort of bring him in. So, look, I think... Uh, I think Alvin Kamara, again, as, as we sort of touched on, he really needs to um, do everything he can to, um, yeah, I, I, I guess, carry this offense with Jameis until uh, Michael Thomas comes back. And who knows, hopefully they can get a few little gadget plays that it takes him Hill to score some points. All right, guys, well, let's jump through to our predictions for this one because, yeah, you know, the Saints are very much up and down, so they are difficult to predict. Going to start with you, Alex. What's your predicted record for the Saints? Um, for me, look, I'm going to go with what Roger said in week one. It's only week two. Relax. They got 17 weeks. I don't think we all need to panic and start, you know, throwing Jamison Winston down. Remember, it's the Saints team without Drew Brees for the first time in a while. You got to give the guy some slack. It's, I mean, I know he's been around for a little bit, but still he's in a new, like he's new to the starting role. So cut him some slack. It's only week two heading into week three. You know what? I see him going 11 and six. I think they are a good team with a good with a good defensive core behind them, especially in Marshawn Lattimore. Love him. He's out right now, but I can't wait for him to come back. As you said, I can't wait for Michael Thomas to come back, and I think that's going to bolster their receiving core. So I see them improving as the weeks go on, and I see Jameis Winston kind of getting in that groove of the Saints offense, but I see them going 11 and six. Yeah, look for me, I have a very close friend who's a Saints supporter, so a little bit of a dig at him. I'm going seven and ten. I think they're going to struggle a little bit. So, but I have to throw out that I'm a little bit biased because, um, yeah, I, I, I would like to see uh, you know the Saints, um, the Saints have have a have a bit of a challenge there, but only for a bit of fun banter there. Beck, what what about your thoughts? Obviously, yeah, again, you know, good defense, offense is struggling, very very hard to to sort of work out. But what's your thoughts? Yeah, this is a tough one because like. Like I said, Jameis Winston, he's getting back into the groove of a new offense, a new coach. 
like meshing with his players and these receivers that aren't great but are making plays for him. And then there's the defense who's, you know, dominating and keeping the Saints in these games that they are trailing behind. Um, so I'm like, I'm kind of in between you and Barker. I don't, I think Barker's being a little bit generous, um, but I also think they're going to come out with a winning season. So I'm going to go nine and eight. I got a soft spot for the Saints. Okay. Outside the Bears. And Stace? Yeah, I'm, I'm same, same as Beck. I'm, I'm going nine and eight, mainly because, um, you know, Sean Payton's playbook has kind of been closed to his ability for the last couple of years because of Drew Brees. And Drew Brees has been great. I love Drew Brees. But his arm was kind of dying there in the last couple of seasons. So you know that Sean Payton's got some stuff on his sleeve. And and Jameis Winston has a pretty good, solid rocket arm, you know, when he puts his mind to it. Um, So, you know, that's going to be good. And plus, again, adding in the football IQ of Sean Payton and the gadget ability of Taysom Hill I think you know once once he gets on the board and uh you know chucks in a couple of those gadget plays it's going really going to mess with some defenses and really could cause some upsets throughout their season so I'm sticking with Beck on a nine and eight record all right guys well let's jump into our next segment now the match and each week in the match we pick out two players to go head to head and this week we've got the best of the rookie class QBs the most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Yeah, and this week on the match, we have got Trey Lance uh, of the San Francisco 49ers coming up against the New York Jets uh, quarterback in Zach Wilson. And guys, this is going to be a very difficult match because there's not a lot of NFL tape available. So we've really got to dig deep to try and find a winner here tonight. Uh, Alex, going to start with you. Let's have a talk about Trey Lance because... You know, athletically, he, he is something six foot four. You know, he runs five four. Uh, he runs four five. Sorry, and uh, you know, obviously has that big dual threat element to him. But you know, I, I guess take us back. Talk to us a little bit about his college experience because it was something a little bit unique. Yeah, it, his college experience was interesting at North Dakota State. Um, he was technically a one season quarterback. He was at North Dakota from freshman year to kind of his junior year. Um, he played what two games his freshman year had a full junior season where he was good he put up about 208 for 316 um, had 2,947 passing yards on him averaged 9.3 on a pass which is just shy of a first down kind of consistently which is good he had 30 touchdowns and then he kind of played kind of one one or two games his junior year and then gets drafted, I think, what, third overall? Like, to kind of – especially when you look at the rookie class that he was in as far as quarterbacks go who had kind of phenomenal juniors or their last years in college, this was an interesting pick as far as the 49ers went. Um, I do think they were trying to bring in, like, a younger quarterback. My one issue with him, and I saw week one, is that – as you said, he's quite fast, but I don't think he's with kind of the right offense that that's going to work for, especially with kind of the team they were playing week one. I think he really struggled with as far as his movement goes. But however, he's seeing at 100% completion rate and he's one for one. So you got to give the guy credit where credit's due, right? Yeah, absolutely. No. And I, I guess, Beck, you don't know what you don't know. So I, I guess, you know, you're coming in there as a young guy, you've got a lot of confidence, but. There's just so much that Trey has to learn. There's so much that he that he hasn't yet experienced. And 
I guess as a New England Patriots supporter, I just I always think about these rookie quarterbacks where, you know, the likes of Bill Pelichek and some of these veteran coaches, they're just licking their lips coming up against these younger guys because they just know that they're going to be able to torture them. But, you know, talk to us about the situation that Trey finds him, finds himself in because, you know, I guess the pressure is not there to start and, uh, you know, he's, he's found a, a home there at the 49ers. Yeah, it is interesting because usually when you are picking a quarterback in, you know, the first round or even the top 10 picks, you're picking them to start in your offense. And um, the 49ers aren't doing that with Trey Lance. And I think maybe it's a smart thing that they've done to pick this quarterback and to pick him so young as well so that if there are techniques or things that he does that they don't like, he's young enough for them to train with him and work with him to fix those problems and make him the quarterback that they want him to be and to sit behind Garoppolo and watch him and learn from him and learn the offense and just take his time to really study it. Um, I think is going to make him be, you know, a pretty great quarterback in a system that suits him, obviously. And I think to your point too there, Beck, like he is so young and, uh, you know, given his, his lack of football experience, you know, it's, it's those really fundamental mechanic things that I really think he can expand on. And, you know, I'm, I'm so excited to actually watch him over the next couple of seasons and having Garoppolo as a mentor is, is, is fantastic for him. Yeah, I mean, we got to throw that he's roughly the same age as the other rookie quarterbacks coming in. So I, I think age is not really something that kind of gets factored here. But I think I agree with what Beck said. I think him kind of being held back and kind of learning the play is going to be key because I think he's one of those players, and we watched a week one again, where when the pocket collapses, he likes to take off. And he struggled to do that week one. And there are going to be teams where you cannot do that. And I think his first instinct, and maybe it's because he's young and, and a little bit inexperienced where he just wants to run the ball. So I think him kind of learning that patience in the pocket, even if it collapses, just kind of stepping up a little bit, let it collapse kind of around behind you and then throw the ball. I think that's going to be a key to him kind of learning under Garoppolo. By young, I think I meant inexperienced. So that's the point I wanted to make. Um but we also seen it with Pat Mahomes, right? He sat his first year and now he's breaking records and league MVP and the youngest person to make it to two Super Bowls. So we could see this in Trey Lance. Yeah, it's just a it's a unique sport that we love here in the NFL because, you know, typically in other sports, if you were the backup, you would be getting you would be getting, uh, I guess, game experience in like a reserve grade competition or something like that. Whereas in the NFL, it's not, you know, you're sitting on the bench and, um, you know, during the week you're, you're playing scout team, you know, you're, you're sort of you're getting some practice reps, which is not the same as a live game. So I guess there's just two thoughts here. There's, you know, you, ultimately you're going to learn your best lessons out there playing, but, you know, uh, sitting back and, and, and learning from a veteran in that quarterback room um, is so valuable. So, look, the 49ers, they've got a decision to make. I think we're all expecting Lance to win this job. The question is, does he win it in season 2021? All right, guys, well, let's have a look at his competitor tonight because uh, Zach Wilson, uh, he has landed in uh, quite the opposite situation there in New York, Alex. He definitely has. And we always talk, and I think this is a struggle when you are a star college quarterback and you're getting picked one, two, three, right? You're not going to a popular franchise. You're not going to the franchise that just won the Super Bowl. You're not going to a franchise that has powerhouse players. 
you're going to a franchise because the fans are like, dear God, please help us get someone that's going to turn it around. And it's been the Jets year in and year out. They've been that same bag wagon of give us somebody. And I feel bad for Zach Wilson because in a way it's not his fault that he's ended up at the Jets because that's just the way the draft fell. But I think when you kind of look at this match, what's interesting is Zach Wilson is someone who can sit and throw the ball. But as we kind of talked about off air, you know, he's someone that needs to use his legs. So I think what's interesting when you kind of look at Trey Lance and, and Zach Wilson, you kind of go, okay, well, Trey Lance needs to learn how to be patient in the pocket. Zach Wilson knows how to do that. Now he needs to learn when he needs to run the ball because I don't think he's that confident doing that. Yeah, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, I mean, you got to feel for Zach Wilson. I mean, you know, last week, three interceptions back to back to back on each drive. Like that's just soul crushing, man. And, and I think that it's, it's part of that college football mindset. You know, he's going for those massive throws and he's trying, he's got the entire franchise on his back and you've got to feel for the dude, but those throws that were open in college, the windows are minuscule in the NFL. So I, I feel like, you know, this is just going to keep happening the more that he tries to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, and he was a good quarterback in college. He had 566 completions, threw for over 7,652 yards in three years. Um, he had he had 15 interceptions and 56 touchdowns, so not bad, right? And I think he came from BYU, so not a bad football program. But, I mean, we got to talk about this O-line protecting their rookie quarterbacks. We start with Burroughs last year. I'm a little bit nervous for Zach Wilson this year. Week one, four sacks. Week two, six sacks. Like, they're coming after him. So either he's got to learn to use his legs or that O-line needs to protect him because if I was the Jets, I'd be a little concerned watching my rookie quarterback getting hit as many times as he has been. And it must be frustrating for their offense to see him go down so many times when they know that he has the speed and the ability to move his legs. He's just not doing it. As much as you want the O-line to protect him, when that's not happening, he needs to make the decision and trust his ability to run. Yeah, and some of the positives there, with, and, and again, me and Stacey are trying to take our Patriots hat off here because um, seeing our, our rival in the New York Jets suffer uh, and, uh, again, us dishing out some punishment to a rookie QB, it's something we love We love to watch there in New England. But now, in terms of some of the positives for Zach is he has some Mahomes-like arm talent. So within that arm himself, he does have the ability to make throws that are, well, they're just different, you know. So he has he has elite talent, but, you know, all the other intangibles and tangibles that make up an elite quarterback are certainly not there yet for Zach. So, again, you know, I, I guess to Alex's point, why it's so important to protect Zach and to make sure that he gets, I, I guess, the most, uh, you know, the most supported 2021 season is you don't have a lot of time with these young young players you know typically you've got one or two seasons to ease them into your system otherwise you wreck them and that they lose their confidence and 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 things start to spiral so for the Jets they're not going to have a lot of time there with Zach Wilson so let's hope that they don't waste that arm talent because um, you know there is something special there all right guys well let's uh, you know on in the match we we can't sit on the fence we've got to sort of make a decision and this is a difficult one again both of these um, star rookie players don't have a lot of NFL tape, but Beck, going to start with you. Who are you tipping in this one? I'm tipping Trey Lance. I just think that the team and the coaches that he's got around him are going to support him into growing and becoming the better quarterback at the end of the day. 
Stacy, Mac Jones disappears off the face of the earth. He's abducted, and you've got to take one of these quarterbacks. You've got to take Trey Lance or Zach Wilson. You get a do-over in the draft. Who are you picking? I'm actually going to take Zach Wilson on this one. I mean, and, and if Mac Jones disappears off the face of the earth, I will happily put Zach Wilson in that position, mainly because of the, of the qualities that we said before. You know, he is patient, and he does – you know, he's got the vision, and his IQ is not bad – um, so I would rather that over, you know, the inexperience of Trey Lance. It's going to take a couple of years to to build to that elite level quarterback. Alex, really interested in your view on this one because a little bit of a favorite QB of yours there in Chicago. I mean, this these are his direct competitors in that in that uh, quarterback class. So really interested to hear your thoughts on these two because obviously they've been compared a lot with um, Justin Fields as well. But yeah, who are you selecting here, Trey or Zach? Um, I think for me, just as far as kind of we've seen it with quarterbacks in the past, young quarterbacks coming into the league who are phenomenal talents in college and end up in the wrong program. And they suffer because of that. And that's no fault to their own. It's just the way that kind of the business of football works. I think it doesn't work in their favor sometimes. And I, I think Trey Lance, while he has a lot to learn, I think learning that patience in the pocket is going to be a little bit easier for him with the 49ers than it is for teaching Zach Wilson to run with a line like the Jets. So I think as far as systems go, I prefer Trey Lance. I think he's going to have, I think he's the better kind of rookie here just based on the system that he landed in. Yeah, look for me, I have to agree. I'm going to go Trey Lance as well. I think he does have the higher uh, ceiling. I think the biggest pressure on Trey Lance was his draft position, uh, getting drafted at, at, at number three. If he was drafted at kind of what we typically expect of a player of his inexperience, you know, the back end of first round, maybe the very start of the second round, then there's no pressure on this guy. And we're all really excited about his potential. But the fact that he was picked third overall means that, uh, you know, fans in San Francisco, they're getting a little bit impatient. They want to see their rookie QB. But yeah, Trey Lance for me. All right, guys, and let's jump into our final segment of the night, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and sticking with the theme of rookie quarterbacks, let's have a quick look at this year's class and class and pick out our well, our quarterback who we think will have the best season. Uh, Beck, going to start with you. You know, this this was a special group, and I think it's something that's going to be um, it's going to be reflected on for quite a number of seasons. You know, it's very rare that you get a bunch of um, quarterbacks this talented within the one class. But yeah, if you had to pick out one quarterback that you think will have the best season, who are you going here? Yeah, it's interesting because we have seen you know a lot of quarterbacks come out of this draft and go to completely different systems and teams with lots of different coaching styles and that kind of. Thing that's going to affect their ability within the league. Um, but I'm going to go back to the matchup and stick with Trey Lance. I think um, he might not get all of the starts this season, but I think, you know, the game time that he does have is going to be um, really good game time. I think he's going to get good reps and put up some good stats because of the fact that he is sitting behind Garoppolo and there is no pressure for him to lead this team or be a great quarterback for this team. He's able to be patient, learn the offense, be comfortable and go in there and do his job. 
Yeah, and I think if he if he does uh, beat out Jimmy G for the job, I think that says a lot about him as well, and we'll put him in uh, good stead for the rest of his career. Uh, Stacey, I, I think I know where you're headed with this. I, I know you're a very loyal fan of uh, of your quarterbacks, but yeah, talk to us a little bit about your selection here. Yeah, I think you and I are going to be pretty on on the same page with this one, and and it's going to be Mac Jones for me, mainly because he's he's doing what Belichick's telling him to do, which is do your job. And he's not doing it badly and he's not doing exceptionally well, but he's just doing his job. Um, And for a quarterback that steps into a system like the Patriots where, you know, the creed is just do your job, you know, he's going to do it to the best of his ability. And and to have, you know, um, you know, the Belichick, you know, mentality and and having the Patriots receiving core and and just setting him up for success, I think, you know, he's going to have a good season regardless. Yeah, look, I have to agree with you with Mac Jones. You know, he uh, he's definitely he he's, he's definitely not going out and making all the all the big plays. He's just keeping things very much under control, and and that's the secret, I think, as a rookie is try and bore your fans, try and bore the opposition. Don't try and uh, don't try and do too much. And Mac is is certainly doing that. Obviously, there's a bit of a line there, and we're going to have to see a little bit more out of him if we're to try and win this uh, win this division. But yeah, very much a conservative start to his career, and I think that's um, I think that fits the Patriots system quite well. Alex finishes round us off here. So who who are you sort of picking here um, as your as your number one quarterback out of this class? Again, I have, I think I have a bit of an idea where you're going to go with this one. This shouldn't surprise anybody. I was a big fan of this one, but mine's got to be Justin Fields. I mean, out of the eight rookie quarterbacks that went into the NFL this season, and that's a substantial amount that went round one, um, it's kind of going to be cool to watch them all play. And I think each kind of quarterback ended up in interesting systems, but I think Fields ended up right where he needed to be with the Chicago Bears. I mean, his jersey was the number one selling rookie jersey for 2021. So I just want to put that out there already. Already he's leading the way in something right but I think as far as he's concerned his type of play I think works for the Bears and I think they're not really a team that's going to have a quarterback sit and pass because our O-line's not great but I think what he does well is his legs you know his ability to kind of go and get you a first down and he's not afraid to kind of take take that contact to the point where he almost got a touchdown in week two. And I was kind of like, please run out of bounds. So you don't take a like major hit, please. Um, but yeah, no, I think he's going to have a really good season. My one thing is I think maybe I know Chicago wants him out there and I want him out there, but I, I it's unfortunate that he has to go and do the injury. Maybe for Andy Dalton, no quarterback kind of wants to start that way. I think it kind of throws you a little bit. Um, and I don't think that was the game plan for Chicago just yet to be introducing into the starting lineup. But I think as a starter, I think he's going to be just fine. And I think he's going to have a great season in Chicago. All right, guys. Well, look, that's all the time we have tonight. So I just wanted to thank my amazing panel as we always bring the heat as we talk all things NFL. And to our listeners, we really hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please download, download, download. That really helps support the uh, support the network. And please find us on social media. We're available on all platforms. And until next week, we'll see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about 
Australia's best kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.